0: Shush, shush.
1: Y'all. This is Trent Knox with Live from the ATX on the Austin Live and Local podcast. Today is Live from the ATX Season 2, Episode 11. Our guest today is going to be Travis Duncan, um, the candidate for Austin mayor in November. He's going to be joining us at 410 ish. And we're going to be talking about the political atmosphere of Austin, the community, and where Austin is going to be in top cities in the United States in the coming future. We're going to talk about economics. We're gonna talk about the education system. We're gonna talk about the criminal justice system. We're gonna talk about our veterans and our law enforcement. We're gonna get into public policy. We're gonna talk about the increased number of unemployment. We're going to get into foreign relations, and we're going to talk about the workforce. I'm really excited to get this interview started. It's um, It's been in, in the works for quite some time. Hadn't gotten to it yet, but it's right around the way. All right. Let me uh, let me give him a call real quick. Oh, wrong number. Oop. Eight. All right. I'm gonna give him a minute. send him a message real quick letting him know that I'm gonna give him a call in a minute here I need to make sure that the music is paused come on back up with the volume of the call and all right I'm gonna give him a call now make sure that number is correct again Yep. All right. Make sure that we got.
2: Hello, this is Travis.
1: Hello, Travis. This is Trent Knox with uh, live from the ATX and Austin Live and Local hey. podcast. How are you doing today? How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Uh, I've been this. Uh, this interview has been long. Long waiting. I reached out to you about two months ago to get this going, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm super excited to have this conversation and talk about what's uh what's new for Austin, what's coming up. So maybe can you guys? Uh, yeah. Sorry,
2: it's Trent, right?
1: Yeah, Trent. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah. Great to meet you. Great to
1: connect. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was just talking with uh, my good friend Brian Kern of the Common Chaos. He said you guys are gonna have a uh, conversation at the end of the month as well
2: uh yes i believe so
1: yeah that's, that's great I, I like that you're you're doing a lot for the community uh, here in austin and uh, i like that you've actually used social media to really build awareness for uh, public policy in, in austin
2: well it's just the beginning you know we're building an app and you know public policy should be the people's policy And what has happened is we've tricked ourselves into this system where 11 people are voting on these decisions for at least city policy, and they have limited bandwidth. And it's not about, you know, criticizing the past or dishonoring or discrediting where our system has led us to, but the conclusions that we've reached now, combined with the technologies that we have, the decentralized consensus technologies like blockchain, Holochain, these can be used to make better decisions as a society with policy, because you can have hundred percent participation. You know, that's what we mean when we say a radical awakening in mm-hmm. civic engagement. Awakening is the key word that it's a radical awakening. It's like, Oh wow. We actually can decide things. And it's very sophisticated, but very simple at the same time. You know, we, we just voice our truth, and everyone should have the right to live their truth and how does that work with the, the collective you know the, how does that how does that cooperate with the whole system functioning
1: yeah for sure and uh, yeah tell us a little bit more about this app i mean that's 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 futuristic very forward thinking uh, how does how do we get some of the establishment to to work towards this as well
2: yeah well hopefully what we can accomplish with the app is to model what it looks like to start making decisions as a group, as a collective, and what does the hive mind look like? What does it look like when we aggregate uh, our conscious understanding of what people truly want and need? And then we combine that with an analog approach. So uh, analog, we need to look in person, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, the old school, we need to increase the amount of in-person interaction and at the same time, expand ourselves to using an app. And so, at least during the, the campaign, you know, because that's where we are right now, um, we just want to get people really excited about this idea of being able to do, to to make decisions to vote on something in city policy every single day. For example, Code Next, you know, we went through this huge debacle trying to pass this bohemist, you know, ordinance that that. You know contains
0: whats nuance
2: in it about so many different areas, and the whole thing is an up or down vote. I mean that's insane. What we need to do is go one by one by one, section by section, and decide as a community. so you know this little neighborhood can decide if this thing needs to be three inches from that thing, but as a whole, you know we're we're talking about how are we going to use resources that don't exacerbate our ecological Disasters, you know, our woes. (laughs) How how do we actually, you know, solve the problems of us figuring out a working relationship with the Earth without damaging?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's something to be considered with um, how Austin is centered itself around tourism and um, huge music festivals like South by and ACL and the the turmoil that comes from those events.
2: Well, you mean in terms of the, there's the trash, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, what is that, that level of activity, you know, and it's easy for people participating to, to forget that, like, you know, all of this stuff is going to be left over. And frankly, it, you know, there's trash all over this city, there's mm-hmm. plastic in all the creeks and. know we're delusional if we think that we're some environmental haven you know we are just as 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 you know this is a a worldwide problem the city's you know trash issue i'm I'm sitting in my car right in front of this dumpster and just the mere presence of these massive containers has given us this like (laughs) you know kind of benign approach to just disposing of things. And, uh, I mean, that's a massive cultural shift. I think just with, you know, without getting digressing too much, because I know you got a lot of questions, um, incentives are stronger than penalties. And with all of this transition, we're not against anybody. Mm-hmm. It's a really important point. We are for everybody. Everybody will benefit. Nobody will be harmed because that's true cooperative essence. Yes. So when we talk about listening to ecological sustainability and wisdom, we're not talking about, you know, excluding people. We're talking about including everybody in that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? It, it has some to do with regulation and, and some of the establishment because I was just watching a documentary about waste management. You're talking about that that company um, having, because of regulations, not being able to build a refi- refine refinery, that may not be the correct word, but a refinery in the area of, um, in California, and they had to result in building it in Arizona, Uh, some of those regulations are hindering the ability to be a little bit more forward-thinking.
2: Well, that's a really interesting point that you bring up, and this is why when you make a law, there's always an unintended consequence, and especially when you make a band-aid law, and this is the Boston problem, is that it's a it's reactionary policy making. It's not visionary. It's not thinking forward, how is this going to affect the next thousand years? You know, what, is, what are we really doing? And, but also, how is it going to affect people right now? And if it's technological innovation, you know, are, are we perhaps hindering ourselves? A great example is in the field of energy, energy policy. You know, we're, we are told, we are sold this lie that solar panels and and lithium-ion storage for renewable is at its peak. And, and oh, it's not feasible because you can't store this, you can't do this. That is not even an issue because there are other technologies that are far better. And so when we sign ourselves into a power purchase agreement with a solar farm, what we're doing is we're allowing some private entity to charge us for the sun when we could have used a smarter new quantum technology that, that generates way more energy and it's completely renewable.
1: And yeah, no it requires
2: of action. What's that?
1: I said no doubt about that.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's hard to be visionary, not reactionary. You know, let's not, let's not think about band-aids because, you know, you know, uh, and, and then also everything connected as a whole, you know, to kind of like tying up that waste aspect to things is, you know, it's all cyclical, and so it's really important to look at, look at the whole system. And that's really why I'm running for mayor as opposed to you know, certain seat seven or whatever it is, you know, because it's, it's about how are we shifting our approach, our mindset, um, our attitude toward the, the whole system functioning. What incorrect assumptions have we made? Over the past decades that have led us to the problems we have today and how can we be more forward-thinking while uh, including incentives for immediate benefit to drive that that social change toward the direction that benefits everybody
1: right yeah it's a lot to think about and um, so with all with all that being said what does that mean for some of our lower economic households
2: well, this is really the core question at hand, is that if you zoom out from Earth and you look down, what you see is a species that is confused. Mm-hmm. We're running around, we're milling around on this planet, spending all our time and energy, being stressed out, doing things that we don't want to do to pay to live on this planet.
0: <laughs>
2: it's, yeah. you know, it, it's really absurd, and, and what we need to do is think smarter if this you know, since we are in an entrepreneurial, capital-driven society, and that is, that is the framework we're looking at, and a lot of people say the city of Austin is run like a business, right? And if it's a business, it's in the business of quality of life, right? And so in a business, what you want to do is you want to eliminate cost, you know, minimize cost, eliminate if you can, eliminate risk, you know, avoid risk, and maximize profit. And profit in this context means quality of life for people, right? And so what we should be seeking to do as the the, the business of the city is eliminate cost of living, right? Eliminate cost of living and then you maximize quality of life because we've been confused on this planet. Remember, this is the core question is that we think that you need a scarce uh, currency. Our money is based on scarcity. It's a pyramid system. And then we marry that to access to Earth's resources, so like land, shelter, and energy, and water, and food, all these things. And so we marry that, and those are abundant. There's, there's no shortage of land and resources and food and earth that we can interact with. And so what we need to do as a society, since we are in a entrepreneurial, competitive kind of marketplace thinking, look at Austin as a big business, and this is our business. Right, Every citizen of Austin, there's one thing we all agree on, that we want to live in Austin. <laughs> right? So, so let's make that happen in the best way possible. Let's be amazing. You know what I mean? Let's, let's really strive. And in our business, we eliminate cost of living, and we eliminate the need for taxation. And therefore, everybody has time, space, and energy and focus to do what their purpose is, be an entrepreneur. Innovate something, be an artist, be a creator, raise your children, you know, just be a human being. And that's therefore often becomes a place that is a solution capital. So, circling back around to your question, what we really need to do is we need to address the root causes of why their poverty even exists. Poverty is a concept that we have accepted, it is a, it is a construct that it was built by the financial establishment to confuse our time and energy and how we use ourselves as human beings on the planet. And so what this is really about is is building a system where everybody has abundance. Like right? everybody is free from the cycle. So so everybody's an entrepreneur and, and it, you know, everybody can feel wealthy. Everybody can live in a place that is renovated and beautiful. Everybody deserves that. Really and if we if we think in terms of incentivizing volunteering incentivizing cooperation in a city in, a, in an area of 2 million people and growing it is not going to be hard to find very talented competent loving skillful people who are willing to volunteer a couple hours on the weekend to a community renovation project or an eco village for the homelessness or a community organic farm of which there will be in every neighborhood that's walking distance from where you live. And in exchange for that, you get the benefit of that, that system and you get free electricity in your house. And it is um, not going to be hard to find people who are willing to do this. Let's clean up the park. Let's pick up the trash. Let's, let's go door to door and renovate old people's homes who've been there since 1970 and they're, they're being taxed out of their house. You know, we, we need to, and that's, that's why we have to look at the, the whole system because really families, on a family level, this system alone, incentivized volunteering, the community benefits from it in the, on a quantum level. But the impact it has is well worth the investment of deducting the balance on somebody's utility bill for, you know, the, the time period of, you know, whatever the the agreement is that we decide as a community, whatever the incentive model is, property tax exemption, you know, free electricity, whatever it is, those benefits are worth what the, the the community benefits from that. So a family that is that is struggling to pay the bills, this family, and this is the thing, is I met with thousands of families, I sat down with. So many people when I was working at Tesla and before that in the solar industry, and everybody wants to save electric bill. Everybody wants to own their electricity on their rooftop. but people are in debt, you know people, nobody has cash, or a paycheck away from homelessness. they're struggling to pay the $1200 dollars utility bill in the summertime, you know because they, they have you know a, a 1300 square foot house with seven or eight or more people living in it. And the walls are paper thin. So the major problems that we have to deal with in this system, what it does is it it, it puts us on a parallel track to solve the root problems of why we need a society that keeps going up in cost and down in quality of life. It solves those root problems at the same time that it it creates immediate benefit for real people, real families.
1: Yeah, I really – that really is forward-thinking for the livelihoods of a lot of our our, our community, and my only my only uh, gripe here is that in o- order for things like this to happen, we need to be having conversations like you and I are having about education and um, and futuristic uh, concepts and whatnot. So, what if some of your your policies you think it could be benefiting the public edu- education system? that it's collapsing before our eyes.
2: Um, that is, you're absolutely right because we, what we don't want to do is create another generation of humans who have these self-destructive patterns <laughs> and, you know, our education system um, it has so many flaws uh, and there's, there's a lot about this on our website and, and, you know, basically we really need to take a holistic, more human approach and, and, um, and allow people to to study things that are within their passion and, and, and their interest. Especially by the time people, are you know, early years, early young years, no classroom time. I really think it's time in nature, understanding how the earth works, developing a deep love for the planet, a, a relationship with the planet, and also having a very um, you know, uh, non-assumptive approach to raising children and educating them because a child's intuitive wisdom is one of the most precious assets we have as a tribe. And this is really what it comes down to is who are we going to be as a tribe? And, you know, to really answer your question, we're going to do whatever it takes, whatever is necessary in order to ensure the health, the well-being, the vitality, the the um, just the sense of, like, purpose and passion that all of the children have in our community. We're going to do whatever it takes. If that requires us, you know, opening our own schools. I mean, really, when you think about it, the state cannot hinder us from making the right decisions. And you see, uh, we see these models, you know, oh, in, in the Nordic countries and in Japan and and the, everything of, of this thing works and these things work. They're pulling people out of the classroom. They're, they're actually you know, being tougher on them with the classics, the physics, biology, the philosophy, the languages, all this things. And they pick it up quicker at a younger age, and then they allow them to develop their passion. This should be available to all children right now. We know it works. We don't have to study more data. We know this works. But if anything, the state should be in cooperation with us. And um, I want to point out something really important because because first of all, it's important to recognize, okay, the mayor is not does not preside over the school system. Right? There's a school board, there's all the different organizations, there's the state, there's the federal, there's there's all these, you know, related interests in, in this system, in this institution. Yeah. Um, and so typically like the state and the city of Austin have this kind of contentious relationship at least from the perspective of how they market themselves. And I'm very deliberate And why I say it in those terms. Um, but but uh, it's it's important for us to look back at the state constitution. And in Article 2, talks about how it's the people's authority given to the governing establishment that allows it to function and allows it to have authority to begin with. And it is people's duty to to alter... Any of those systems, whenever necessary, for the benefit of you know life, liberty, and considered happiness. And in this case, it's really crucial because um, our children are being poisoned; they're being denied access to um, the discovering who they are, Um, and it's it's a big problem. Because uh, and you know, there's there's many problems in the school system. I think I think you know the parents know that the kids know more than anybody. And we need to wake up and stop, you know, thinking that this institutionalized model works because it's just going to raise more problems for the future. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at, right? It's like we we need to address, like, fundamental truths. Like, we need to, like, reestablish a basis of understanding between ourselves before we can move forward. Is that kind of what you're asking? Well,
1: yeah, and then I guess the follow-up kind of question is, you know, it's been becoming more widely popular. People say knowledge is dangerous and it's, yeah. it's, it's easily dangerous to gain the knowledge these days. I've been seeing that in, um, in several different schools districts, they've been starting to uh, install more and more metal detectors preventing different types of uh, what is domestic terrorism towards these, these, these high schools and middle schools and, and all across, actually, and uh, I was just kind of curious as to what your thoughts are, since we just got, we just basically in the Austin, Texas area, had two pretty serious uh, domestic terrorist incidents in the in the church uh, shooting, and then with the with the Austin bombing situation. What what are what is some of like the the things you would say so that we can be more prepared for this type of uh, violence?
2: Well, there's many layers to that question, and the last aspect of it I'll touch on first. You know, you said be being prepared for this type of violence. Um, this is essentially the blowback of the the problems that we've chosen as a society. This is the sickness that is manifesting, the disease that is manifesting in our society because of our economic system and because of our social fabric and how we have divided each other. And, and what really needs to happen is healing massive healing in our community because these kids are blowing each other up. They are attacking each other and whether it's a gun or if it's a, anything, anything can be weaponized. If the human spirit is so crushed and distorted in its perception of of itself that it would want to harm another and it is a mark of a low consciousness and a lack of awareness of the connectedness of all of us and it's a result of our collective choice so the number one thing that we need to do is take responsibility because we cannot just write it off as oh that person's crazy i'm not the one that did it because it's all of us that are responsible. This is, our, if, we, if we have children who are shooting each other and blowing each other up, it is because we have failed to educate our youth to value life. And it is because of some of the reasons we talked about earlier. Uh, the media is, is, is largely, unwittingly maybe, but responsible for perpetuating a lot of these things. And it's, our, it's, it's on us. It's on us. we have decided this, and now it's 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 manifesting in such a way that is so egregious and so shocking and so just tragic that we really have to wake up and If we don't change the culture of how we treat each other uh then then we're really not i mean you know we can again, we can try to make laws. <laughs> to solve this problem, but it's not a law that is going to solve this problem. It's getting back connected with Earth. It's connecting with um, our, our healing abilities. It's connecting with plant medicine. You know, the, the psychedelic revolution, as they say, that happened in the 60s hasn't even started yet. We, have, we, we haven't reached the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of what plant medicine can can do to heal us and to awaken us to a higher way of functioning, to actually be a species of high intelligence. Because right now we're still operating on an amygdala, fear-driven. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're people are waking up and they're changing, but what we're seeing is kind of like a—it's this purging of like you know this is this is us, y'all. This is a mirror to show us. You know, this is a big problem. You know, why, why are these kids wanting to kill each other? Why, why, are, we, why are we manifesting violence? And it, I think it's really because we don't have compassion for each other. And the more compassion we have, the more forgiveness, the more uh, space that we hold for people's healing, and the more we talk about and deal with these root causes, you know, this, this stuff happens because we have not been a village to raise the children. And it's been decades and decades now of that, and this is what we see. This is what we get, you know. And and, and I say that with as much love and respect, because some, you know, some people get upset when you say things like this, and I understand. It's it's okay to feel upset at what I'm saying, because you know it hurts when this stuff happens, and it's confusing. But the point is that that we have the power to. To make better decisions as a society, and that will have that will have an effect where we don't where we don't manifest this type of violence anymore. Um, and in terms of laws, you because know, people want to put specific, you know, like metal detectors and what policies would you implement to protect schools, you know? And you know, I, I think the best protection for a community is just more self-awareness, really, frankly, and awareness of each other. Um, and um, and then, you know, because people, you know, I mean, metal detector is fine, but, you know, you can derive any sort of weaponization that is non-detectable by metal detector. So, you know, it's, it's really more about um, let's take responsibility for it ourselves rather than trying to codify it into some law and expect that to actually get the result we want.
1: Right. I agree 100% and you talked about so many different things that I was, you know, thinking three to different three different questions along the way. I think one that stuck was you talked about the weaponization of things and uh, whether that's a physical thing or maybe uh our communication. I've noticed that a lot of the the attacks these days have been more along the lines of um microaggressions or the uh, the use of popular terminology to value your self worth more than someone else, such as I've been hearing the word woke uh, thrown around a lot, um, and also things like mental disability, bipolar, and such. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, um, you know the, these these terms you know, have a different meaning for a bunch of different people. I, I think every, everything is true. Everybody is characterizing this, this shift in their own way. Um, everybody's coming at it from their own angle. And I think that's actually our strength just as a species is kind of our unpredictability and our nuance and, like, our shared collective experience but, like, completely different, you know, perceptive manifestations of it. Right. So, like, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and that's that's not going to look it's not homogenous. It's not going to, you know, really. I mean, everybody has their own, you know, take on this. And that's OK. I think the the whole point is really that, like, we should all be able to coexist and be our true self without, you know, anybody feeling like they need to inhibit that. And there's a way to do that. So I think, you know, everybody's truth is is their own truth. And it's important for us to like build a system that protects that ability for everybody to have. I mean, it's it's kind of going back to like, okay, what is the ideal form of government kind of thing? It's like fundamental question, like what really is the best way to organize a society so that everybody has maximum freedom? And I think, our country has an opportunity to become that, and there have, you know, been aspects. Um, but it, it's really about it's really about our consciousness shifting into just a a a higher intelligence, you know, and 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 stepping out of a scarcity mentality, thinking that we have to compete for ideas. Um, this is this is the the, the I think the biggest confusion right now in like our political system is like this competition of which idea is right, liberal or conservative, you know? Um, And in reality, we all coexist with both because in, in in, in, in our society, it is the conservation, the preservation, the protection, the holding down of a safe, Area and zone and space—the conservative, the conservative that allows the liberal, the progression of life to flower. You know, it, it is the reason why we don't live forever. We we die and we rebirth. And so it's not we don't have to compete. The head does not compete with the heart. We you know we comp. Uh, we have an aspect of competitive spirit exists as one. Very small subset of a larger cooperative system. So the more we recognize that, like, oh, you are the way you are because I'm, you know, you're supposed to be that and I'm, I'm supposed to be this, and and it all makes the whole thing work better. Then, then you know, they're they're really we can transcend like some of these like lower level conflicts and like perceptive conflicts and like oh like the war of ideas which is really what emblematic of like wh- where we are online, you know, <laughs> social media. And, uh, and so I don't know if that answers your question.
1: I don't think it's a question that can be answered. It's more, um, it, it's a human existence. It is the, it is the human experience that that question kind of aligns with. Um, I think that we have obviously a lot of, Uh, pronouns are being tossed around these days and what's right or what's wrong to being being said and a lot of they versus them situations Uh, and I think that Austin really has a a conflict with this and I think it's one of the last questions I have on here is that how can we help um, our foreign nationals working relations with with us in Austin and help them get better work environments as migrant workers or on their way to gaining citizenship? How can we be like the role model for other larger urban cities or the areas around us?
2: Yeah, that's, that's a really great important question. And we actually have um, in cooperation with uh, some family of mine down who are from the border uh, they had this brilliant idea, and I think it's it's a really great solution to this, you know, how we view immigration. Um, this is really important because, you know, on an intrinsic level, we recognize that a border is a construct. It's, it's something that is invented. It's not technically real. Um, and, like, you know, when it comes to, like, who deserves to be where, we have to, re- re- like, acknowledge that. A lot of the people that are being detained in prisons for crossing the river, uh, the Rio Grande, um, probably have DNA that has been migrating seasonally throughout this entire continent for thousands of years. So the whole idea is, like, we're in this really strange place right now. Um, But we have to acknowledge the truth that, like, okay, we do have countries that are are intent on in enforcing their sovereignty for what they believe as the best protection to the citizens they're responsible to, right? That's that's at least like the intention that is um, like what holds it up among the American people is, is that, that intention. And so in, in all countries, right? And so, um, so,